Well, good evening, UBC family. It's a joy and honor to be here. Like John said, my name is Mason Plunk. Um, I've been a member here for roughly a little over two years now, and it's been a joy. And really, I'm just thankful to have each of you as church family members. Um, You've all encouraged me in different ways, and I'm just really thankful for that. So with that, we're going to be in Micah 5.2 tonight. This opens and it says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, to be among the clans of Judah. From you shall come forth for me, one who is to be the ruler in Israel, whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient days. I'll read that one more time. It says, But you, O Bethlehem Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me, one who is to be ruler in Israel, Whose coming forth is from of old, from ancient to days. Now join me in prayer. Father, we are thankful to meditate and to think upon this king, one from eternal days past, who will rule and reign for eternity and future. And Father, we pray for anyone in the room tonight who doesn't have a saving relationship with you, Having faith in this king, Father, we pray that you would convict them of their sin and cause them to repent of that and place faith in you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, I wonder what comes to mind for you as you think about what a king is. You consider the power of a king holds automatically to mean a threat? Or do you longingly look forward to a being under the humble submission of a perfect king who has your best interest in mind. Well, as we think of this one that has come from Bethlehem, who is also from the ancient days, an eternal king, we would do well to understand the context that this promise of Micah 5.2 was given in. To understand that this promise was one that was full of hope in times when power and kings were most likely a threat to the vulnerable. So Micah's a minor prophet. He's sent to declare to the people, both the northern and southern kingdoms, of their sin before this eternal God. Throughout the book, we get the idea that idolatry is rampant. The powerful use their power unjustly, and the religious elite are convincing the people that there's going to be no repercussions for their sins. Yet, Micah foretells of the coming exile and yet also gives a reason for hope by drawing us to this ruler of Israel in our passage tonight. What's in verse 1 of chapter 5 that Micah is going to say right before our sermon passage, it says, Now muster your troops, O daughter of troops. Siege is laid against us. With a rod they strike the judge of Israel on the cheek. We see this call to battle since there's siege laid against the city. And the enemy will even strike the judge of Israel. But then Micah introduces us to Micah 5.2, and he introduces us to this great and wonderful ruler. And so my main point tonight is that this king sent by the Father came humbly, but will rule eternally. And I'll say that again. That this king sent by the Father came humbly, but will rule eternally. As we look back at the 
redemptive history of the people of God and the people of Israel, we see that they wanted for themselves a king. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 8. The problem was that they wanted a king that would be a representation of their own glory rather than that of the one true God of the world. And as we reflect on the passage of Micah 5.2, we see a different kind of king. One who set forth from the Father and who will rule over Israel. And Micah also foretells that it will be from this small, humble town of Bethlehem that the eternal king will come forth, and yet this king will also be from the Ancient of Days. As we celebrate the birth of this ruler over the next week, we have an amazing truth to ponder over and behold. And really, what's going to make this birth that happened over 2,000 years ago so significant is that the fact that it was the most significant person ever to be born but it would happen in such a humble and insignificant manner. In reality, this would set the pattern of Jesus' life and ministry, which would be marked by humbling himself as he took the form of a servant. And he, doing so, brought sinners into his eternal kingdom. This eternal kingdom is not carnal, and it transcends each of our own attempts to create our own kingdoms for our own glory. Well, unlike each of us, this king isn't one who doesn't come of his own accord. As the text mentions, this king was one who came forth for God, and he came forth to accomplish all that the Father had sent him to accomplish, walking in perfect accordance with the law of the Father and perfectly representing God's character to God's people. This king came humbly so that the Father's purposes could be eternally exalted. Recognize that we were created for this very purpose, to glorify God and to know him. Yet we have not loved him with all our hearts or sought his glory above our own. And this presents us with each of our most fundamental problems, as well as the people of Israel and Judah at the time. Yet Micah is going to come full circle and he's going to remind us that the Lord's character and promises aren't dependent on circumstance or sin in each of our lives. He ends the book in chapter 7 with this hopeful message given to the people who are exiled and broken. In verse 19 of chapter 7, he says, He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. You will cast all of our sins into the depths of the sea. I'll read that again. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. And you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Well, Micah 5.2 is really how God can remain just and righteous, yet end up forgiving his people of his sins. It's this king who is God's provision to be the perfect man who's both fully God and fully man who came to die on the cross, take on the just payment of sinners, and then resurrect from the dead, defeating sin and death. Well, friends, recognize that if you haven't responded 
to this truth by trusting in the works of Christ or submitting to his rule and reign, and you'll one day be the object of his eternal wrath. But it doesn't have to be this way. You can be brought into fellowship with this king and be brought into his eternal kingdom by repenting of your sin and trusting in Jesus' work on the cross. Now, believers recognize that through this king's humility and perfection, he's eternally earned the right to rule over all of our hearts. So my question to you is, are you continually submitting yourself to the king, seeking his will, which is to be conformed to his image? Are you placing your authority under placing your heart under the authority of this king and his word? Is your heart tender to his leading? To care for what he cares for? To hate for what he hates? And to love what he loves? Do you seek from him wisdom, direction, correction, even encouragement? Well, if we view this king's lordship correctly, and we understand that the yoke he places on us is easy and that burden is light, to think, as Micah 5 says, that this king would come forth from the Father to accomplish man's salvation should bring us to understand that we have no ability to gain our own approval before God. No amount of works, no amount of striving, no amount of cleansing ourselves will ever be enough. And if you're anything like me, this is such an easy trap to slip into. To sit and to look at yourself and to be discouraged before this perfect, holy God. Yet this king's not come so you can be in bondage to self-righteousness or self-centeredness. He's come so that you'd follow him in love, having a deep affection and adoration for him. So as John talked about addressing and correcting our apathy and our anger toward this God... Recognize that it's only fixed by peering into the character of God and the person of Jesus Christ. He is not a shepherd that rules over his flock with hostility, but he rules over this flock with love and compassion, leading them and caring for them. This eternal king is a compassionate one and one who rules out of love. And this king has eternally won every follower of his and his eternal reign over them. And it will be for their eternal good. Now here in a moment we'll get to sing together about the hope that we have in eternally having Christ as our Savior. So as you spend time with family and friends this Christmas, my challenge to you is that you would meditate on the character of this King. So you might grow in your affection and adoration of him which is the fuel of your joy and also obedience in Christ. Now pray with me. Father, we are thankful that we get to submit to this perfect king, one who out of love shepherds us, one who out of love cares for us, who has compassion on us, who has our eternal good in mind. And Father, we pray that over the next season, we would look and see him as our righteousness, and that our trust and faith would grow, and that our adoration 
and our love and our affection for him would increase. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.